Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for this beautiful day, for the stunning colors, for your stunning grace, for opportunities to respond to the needs of our hungry neighbors and our community. We pray for our nation and for each one of us as we exercise our franchise on Tuesday. And be with us now, O God. Open your word to us and silence in us any voice but your own. For we pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Our epistle lesson this morning comes from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonian church. Two portions of the second chapter. Let us hear God's word. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. We beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, he called you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and through every grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as Ruth has mentioned, tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock we will hold our annual All Saints service whereby we will remember church members and loved ones, those who have died recently or long in our path. And I'd encourage you to come to this meaningful service. This morning, however, I would invite you, as you are able, please, to stand now. And I will read the names of third church members who have died in the past year. And then together we will pray the prayer of remembrance. This day we remember and give thanks for Shirley Kessler, Edna Harder, Margaret Winters, Trudy Beyer, Ellen Van Oker, Jean Hart, Tom Bracken, Homer Marple, Evelyn Rowland, Janice Northrop, Aaron Humphrey, Ami Labuddy, Brownie Hoffman, Louise Geyser, 
Mary Lou Branch, Mary Garber, Joyce Wonderlich, and Liz Montello. Let us pray together. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I believe in the communion of saints. Just a few weeks ago, a beloved young Cuban pitcher for the Miami Marlins, Jose Fernandez, died in a boating accident. He was 24 and immortal until he was not. On the day of his funeral, all of his teammates wore his jersey and the hearse inched by the ballpark. As a lone trumpeter played a very mournful take me out to the ball game. And his teammates, many of them experiencing death for the first time, grabbed hold of the hearse and wouldn't let it go their prayers and their tears flowing freely. When the great golfer Arnold Palmer died, the Ryder Cup team placed his golf bag at the first tee as they began their tournament, a silent token of respect and affection. Over the summer, a young punter for the University of Nebraska, Nick Foltz, died in a car accident. And so each Saturday this fall, as the Cornhuskers play another team, the opponents present a memorial tribute to Nick Foltz's teammates and to his parents, as the Buckeyes did yesterday. This week, Countless Chicago Cubs fans, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren visited the grave sites of loved ones the day after to share the nearly unimaginable news of the end of a 108-year drought. I, on the other hand, will tell my parents once again when I visit their graves that the Indians lost one more time. And how many of us, on Tuesday, will cast our vote and then visit Susan B. Anthony's gravesite? Grandmothers and granddaughters, mothers and sisters especially, to place a little I voted sticker on her plain, simple gravestone and to whisper softly, thank you. What does it mean to say? as we will this morning. I believe in the communion of saints. It means all of those things and so much more. Recently, a college student came to the office on the first floor and I happened to be downstairs. She was writing a comparative religion paper and she wanted to talk to someone. I said, I'd be glad to talk to you. 
I wonder if later she regretted the timing. <laughs> she said she was Roman Catholic, and that her first question was about the differences between the Catholic faith and the Presbyterian faith. And I replied to her that Catholicism and Protestantism, of which we Presbyterians are a part, were not two faiths, but two branches of the same faith, Christianity, two tributaries of the same river. We share most things, and on the most major things, Jesus and the Bible and the Trinity, there really are no differences. So today's conversation about saints is a second-order difference, though it's not an unimportant one. Early on in our life, we Protestants expressed skepticism in setting holy people apart in calling individual saints, largely because there was deemed to be a lack of biblical warrant for it. Our tradition has embraced the priesthood of all believers that none are more special or holy than any others. All are saints, even when they don't always act so saintly. And we pray to God, not to individual saints. What we share, however, is a deep belief that the saints pray for us. We have called it in our tradition, the perseverance of the saints, a phrase I love. I believe in the communion of saints. What does it mean to believe that? Well, it has much to do with what we believe about life and death, about what happens when we die, that the end of this earthly life is not the end of our journey, that however it happens, we are received into God's eternal and loving care and live in God's eternal relationship and covenant place Jesus said he went to prepare for us. The creed calls it life everlasting. We believe that. And we believe that those who have gone before us by God's sovereign grace and in God's infinite love dwell there, received in love by God. The communion of saints. And we believe that it has power. Not mystical power, not magical power, but spiritual power to help us live our lives now in this moment. Until that day when we experience what a lovely prayer calls glad reunion with them. The book of Hebrews calls them the great cloud of witnesses. And I like to think of them as my balcony people those sitting on the balconies, watching over us, cheering us on. You know who yours are, I know who mine are, teachers and coaches and ministers, family members, their presence is with us. If you ever look around this room and notice the plaques on the walls, you will discover some, only some, of Third Church's balcony people. The saints cheering us on here, soldiers who fought in World War I, ministers who served faithfully, leaders in this congregation. They encourage us and comfort us and provoke us. 
And I believe that because I have experienced it. Like so many other things, we are living in changing times as we think about death and dying and the saints. A few years ago, I spoke at the Jewish Federation on changing practices about death and dying in Christianity. My bottom line, I said, is that when once there were very prescribed rules, the rule now is that there are no rules. Time would be that a loved one died. A funeral service would be held three or four days later with a casket present. Everyone would drop everything to attend and a burial would follow immediately. It rarely happens like that anymore due to the expansion of the practice of cremation and complicated travel schedules and cultural expectations. It's not good or bad, mind you. It can be complicated, I can tell you that. But it's different. And it underscores how important rituals and words can be and places to gather as everything shifts and changes so much. So we cling to those rituals and we cling to those words. We have done so already this morning. Singing for all the saints is one such for me. But at a deeper level, we cling to one another as we cling to the promises of our faith. Because rituals and words matter only when we remember what undergirds them, the power of community as we face grief. Because it is God who supports us. Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church about the community being gathered together. I can easily envision that gathering. Like I can easily envision gatherings in earlier generations in this place, we certainly worshiped differently, we dressed differently, we sang and prayed differently. The sermons were much, 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 much longer. You are very welcome. <laughs> or think about earlier iterations of all of the meetings that we have now. How will we deal with this problem or that one, our forebears wondered. How will we lead in this moment or that one? The saints asked, so that these words being gathered together continue to carry meaning. That at some point it is a continuous line and not a broken one from what has gone before us to where we are now, to the church we are called to be in the future when our names will be the ones on the plaques and in the bulletin, when the power of our witness will be available to the saints that follow us. There's faithfulness and hope when we gather together. And because we believe in the communion of saints, the impact of that communion's witness on us is not limited by years or moments or even death itself. The communion of saints empowers our witness now. And because I believe it is God's intention to gather us together, how on earth can we conceive that gathering, friends on earth and friends above, being limited to this earthly moment? For this moment, what do we do? 
Well, we affirm our faith in the communion of saints by remembering, as we have done, which invites us to simultaneously hold on and let go of blessed memory. We take courage and comfort from the communion of saints to live in these current moments, the great cloud of witnesses, as we seek to run with perseverance as they did, the race that is set before us. I experienced several opportunities to bring lots and lots of my dad's books home to Rochester from Columbus. And in the last round of cleaning out after his death, I found this. It's called the Book of Common Worship. And even though we Presbyterians are free to pray as we please, we have little prayer books that help us sometimes. In fact, both prayers on this morning's bulletin cover are from this book. Sometimes we use them for Sunday morning inspiration or at weddings or funerals. I have one of my own. It's an updated version. It is dotted with candle wax and water stains from cemeteries and sweat and tears. So I found my dad's and I brought it home, even though I have three versions of this already. He got it in the late 1950s, right after his ordination. My dad was born left-handed, but in schooling in the 1930s, they forced him, as they did, to write right-handed. And his very unique and often unreadable printing is throughout this book, as are highlights and word crossed out and little notations. It's kind of a living testimony to his ministry, and this book is well-worn, and it was very faithfully used. So here's a prayer from it. O Lord God, the light of the faithful, the strength of those who labor, and the repose of the blessed dead, we give thee thanks for thy saints who have witnessed in their lives a good confession for all the faithful departed and for those dear to our own hearts who have entered into rest. Grant us grace so to follow their good example that we may be one with them in spirit and at the last together with them be made partakers of thine eternal kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.